0: Hi, Scott here. Just a quick thing before we roll into the episode. Just recently, I've put together this little uh, free guide for DIY indie labels that basically takes a lot of the knowledge and wisdom that I've heard from these label owners and managers that I've interviewed through these episodes, I distill some of that information and I put it into this little PDF that you can get by going to otherrecordlabels.com. I think you'll find it really helpful. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. It's a free guide. So make sure you go to otherrecordlabels.com to check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. Thank you so much for listening. And I have a... Um, this is a really exciting episode today where uh, we feature Molly Smith of Ghostly International. And of course, you you know Ghostly. And today's a really cool episode because um, we're camping out um, primarily... On the topic of design and uh, le- uh, aesthetic in, at a label. And, and Molly is uh, in charge of design and, and she's a production specialist there. So it's a really great conversation. And I hope you like the, um, the fact that we camped out on this one subject, which is personally near and dear to my heart. I really love design and album artwork. And uh, there's, I mean, Ghostly, you can check them out right now as I'm blabbing, but uh, ghostly.com. They're uh, really good in that department. So it's a great interview. There's a few things I um, I have to get out of the way, a few announcements that I want to talk about that I'm really excited about. Number one is, this is our last, if you're following along in sequence, we're the end of 2018 right now, and this is our last uh, record label interview that we are releasing this year, but we're not stopping. Business as usual, so uh, don't touch that dial. But basically, we're launching a new series, uh, sub-series called Industry Insights. And basically, just over the Christmas break, we have two interviews. One of them is um, on Spotify and playlisting with Work Hard, Playlist Hard, um, which will be coming out in December. And the other one um, is, oh, sorry, that'll be coming out in November. The, the, the one that's coming out in two weeks is with author David Sachs, um, and we're camping out on the subject of his book, uh, The Revenge of Analog. So um, that's just to give you a heads up. Listen to these episodes as usual. They're going to be really great where we talk with people who aren't from a label, but who are in the industry. The first episode comes out at the regular time and it's uh, talking about the revenge of analog and you are going to love this and you're going to love his book. Um, so so please keep listening. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and this is just an idea that popped in my head the last couple of days, but I want to give it a try. If you have any questions for myself or for the people that I've interviewed so far? I was thinking about doing a, a, an episode on questions. Um, sometimes I get emails from people who have a question about a specific topic that we covered in, a, in an episode, and sometimes in the past people have emailed me um, asking, uh, you know, to clarify something that one of our interviewees or subjects has has discussed. So I thought what might be fun is over the next couple of weeks, if you want to send me your emails, and it's going to take about a month or so to to generate some some emails, but you can find me on Twitter at Other Songs, or you can send me an email at podcast at otherrecordlabels.com that's podcast at otherrecordlabels.com. Send me an email with a question you might have about running a label. Um, You can direct it to myself and I'll take a stab at it. Or if there's a a specific um, record label uh, individual that we've interviewed, I can fire them off an email. And once I get their response back, I'll read that back on a a special Q&A episode to come in 2019. So Please send me an email podcast at other if that's something that would be interested um, that you'd be interested in. Uh, I think that could be really cool. Let's talk about how you, the listener, can get 10% off this great ebook from work hard playlist hard. Um, I want to tell you our label, other songs has experienced some recent um, micro success with Spotify playlists. And I've said in the past that that playlisting has become a focus for our label because it's something that I've noticed can can um, expose you to a new audience as well as as generate some uh, some modest consistent income for the label and for the artist. Um, and and the success we've had recently has has is been due in part to two things. Number one, uh, this new feature that play um, that Spotify has announced. A couple of weeks ago where you can actually pitch your music directly to their editorial staff as well as uh, an interesting feature that if you if you give them a, at least a week or two lead time on a single or an album they will um, include one of your songs or your new song into um, the release radar playlist of your followers all of them and that's an incredible thing and the the other um, uh, contributor to some of our, our success has been this ebook that I'm, I'm talking to you about from, from this third-party curator, Work Hard, Playlist Hard, and, and, uh, and Mike, the guy there, is, is a genius when it comes to um, playlisting, and he's compiled a lot of his research and, and information and facts. The book is 10 bucks. You get an extra dollar off if you go to ebook.otherrecordlabels.com and use the coupon code OTHER. It really helps us out, and uh, and I think you're really gonna like this book.
1: Any rules like uh,
0: no no bad words? No, no, there's no rules. I I do actually. Oh, what was that? Um, I do actually make a note when um, somebody swears. I try to like put a marker in to bleep it, um, but only because it's kind of a weird thing. But it's like if you put like the explicit, if you have like curse words in your podcast, you have to put the explicit tag on it. And if you put the explicit tag on it, then it like, there are some countries that you can't, it won't, won't distribute it. And on the Apple iTunes, and then there's some like restrictions, like, I don't know if somebody has like a weird safe search on, then they won't be able to find it. It's super weird. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was such a big deal. And so I've actually, there's been a couple episodes where I've like kind of neglected to, to bleep things and I've just let it go without putting the explicit tag on. And then anytime like somebody does and I, I think about it in the moment, I just hit a marker and then go back later and just um, lower the volume when they, you know, because I don't want to, like, I, I swear in that sometimes, and I don't want to, like, change the content. But at the same time, I would be bummed if, like, for some reason we were, like, limited to listeners because of that. It's kind of totally. lame. Anyway.
1: So we definitely start off the interview with me just screaming as many curse words as possible. <laughs> Do really dramatic, like, yeah. TV
0: <laughs> I think, I think so. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll just,
1: I'll just, I'll
0: just eat the, the fine, whatever the fine is $20,000 totally. $20, fine. Um, okay. So let uh, listen, I am, I'm totally not, uh, lying when I say, I mean, I love art and design. I, and I love, especially in the, the, um, The music world and it's something that isn't talked about so much so I am so very much looking forward to this conversation thank you so much for for being a guest
1: awesome yeah thank you again for having me
0: so I'm talking uh with Molly Smith from Ghostly and Ghostly is just one of these um badass record labels that make other record labels feel lame. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> is that true? Like I was just like going through their website today. I was like, ah oh, damn it, this looks so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not our what our aim is, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure cool that we fair. come
1: across that way. We'll take it.
0: Um so uh, let's talk about you and your role with Ghostly. By the way, where are you where are you located? Where's your office?
1: So uh, most of us at this point are in New York. Okay. Um, we do have another office in LA. It's only two people. Okay. Um, but most of us are in New York at this point. We're still in the Ann Arbor, Detroit area in spirit, but okay. we don't have a physical office there anymore. So yeah. I'm in New York.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Probably just a little bit, uh, a little handier to be in New York as opposed to Ann Arbor.
1: Yeah. It's just closer to a lot of things. Um, it's just, it makes sense. It's really easy to go out every night of the week if you want to and see music or, you know, see shows. Um, Detroit is awesome too. It just so happens that all of us kind of wound up over here,
0: right? Well, and I was a little bit confused because I think originally I had seen Brooklyn or New York on on something, and then as I was doing a bit of research, I saw Ann Arbor, and I was like, what? And then there's like a logo that's kind of you know Michigan related, and um, so I was a bit confused. So thanks for yeah, clearing that definitely
1: up. Definitely still our spiritual sure. homeland.
0: Sure. Well, I Fun. mean, I'm I'm from. Ontario, Canada, Toronto area. And it's like, you know, horizontally equal to Detroit. It's like, you know, like three hours or yeah, three hours from Detroit. So that's, I felt a bit of a kinship there when I saw Ann Arbor.
1: Same line of longitude.
0: Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I said horizontal, you said the proper term, whatever. Um, So let's talk about you and your role with Ghostly. You are the art and audio production manager. Is that right?
1: Whatever that means, yeah. Yeah, sure.
0: (laughs) That was was in your email. Um, Yeah, that's my official title. What does that entail on the day-to-day? And what does that look like specifically for an an album release?
1: So um, I guess I'll just explain a little bit of how we work as I see it differently to other labels. Um, I think a lot of labels today kind of tend to work on the project manager basis where like one person has this artist as a responsibility and they take care of the whole process from start to finish, like for that one artist. Mm -hmm. And we're a little bit different. I don't know if it's a function of size or just the way we decided to do things, but we all kind of specialize in different aspects along the line of a record coming out. So I focus on most of the early stuff, like leading up to release day. So I'm, Sometimes talking with the artist before they even finalize a track list. Hmm. Um, trying to set them up with a designer that I feel like makes sense, oh, kind cool. of their hand through that process, making sure the audio gets mastered, turning everything in, working with the plant. Um, so it's really everything. I I just describe it in an easy way as everything before the record comes out. And once it's in that process, it kind of gets handed off to the next person.
0: That is a really, that's a really cool role. And I'm curious now that I've spoken with other labels and and of different sizes, I, I'm kind of wondering on smaller labels or medium-sized labels, who who does that role? Because that is such an important job that, I mean, that's got to be kind of stressful too.
1: It can be super stressful because you're kind of playing, you know, like there's the technical side mm-hmm. and things that can go wrong there. You know, test pressings get busted or right. Oh wait, I sent you the wrong audio. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, <shit>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but it's also, I think of it a lot as a psychological one as well. Cause you're dealing with artists, you're dealing with their careers and their individual fears as people and their likes and dislikes. Mm. So you kind of have to like, be a good liaison between well, you know, artists from start to finish.
0: I have ultimate respect for you because um, in the, in the times that I've dealt with artists about artwork and I, I really want to dive into this later on more so, but um, it can be the most annoying process ever <laughs> when they're trying to say, they're just giving you words. and And, and I was dealing with someone just yesterday about, about, picking artwork for their EP and they're giving me words just like four like adjectives <laughs> and I'm sending them back something that is exactly what they asked for and they're like no this is completely not what I want <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so subjective it's so hard like one person saying even just like I want a red cover yeah you're like hey okay, red easy got that <laughs> you send it to them And they're like that's not red that's red. <laughs> You're like it's red. <laughs> it's it's so difficult to get the language to translate into visual sometimes.
0: I this is a question I have later on, but I want to ask you now. Is it subjective? Like in your opinion is good album artwork uh subjective?
1: Uh ultimately I believe yes. However, I do think there is um I don't know. Some some album covers just seem to rise to the top of like this collective idea of like oh my god, yes, this is where we are as a people as a whole mm. and it perfectly describes you know where this artist is in mm. their career. There's just it, it's kind of hard. Yes and no, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Ultimately, I believe it's all subjective and good and bad can be kind of interchangeable, but there are those Covers that just stand out as like, oh yeah, that hit the nail on the head.
0: Right, right, yeah, and I and I don't know the answer either. I'm just I feel like, and even in arguing with artists, sometimes it's like this just should be obvious to everyone that this is a a great option or that this is a really bad option, you know? Um, and it's not, it's not obvious to everyone.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, uh, one of the designers that I work with the most with Ghostly, uh, Mike Chena, we have this running joke where every time he submits artwork to an artist, I'm like, tell me which one is your least favorite. And he'll pick the one and I'll be like, that is going to be the one that the artist is going to choose. And (laughs) almost every time it winds up being the case. Luckily, the worst option is still like an incredible Right, (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It's pretty hilarious how often it happens and how differently the artist sees it from, you know, my perspective and the designers.
0: That's so true. And i I'm, there's gotta be a reason because I've I've experienced that too and I've heard about that from other designers. And um that is is a truth. Like I mean, and that is like a nine times out of ten truth.
1: It's like the Murphy's law of design.
0: Totally. It's it's so weird. And it's like why um, maybe it's cause the designer has done something really bold and they think that's really, really good, but they've done something that's good, but it's a little bit, um, more conservative and the artist wants, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird.
1: Yeah. I think that's definitely part of it, but I, I don't have the answer as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. It's just magic.
0: I had a designer friend, um, who's just like, uh, does, you know, non music, not in the music industry, but she told me, I, I talked to her about that once. And I said, isn't it always weird? You, you send three options and the client always picks the worst. And she's like, just don't send them that option. And, and that, and it's kind of what you're saying is like, if you're going to send someone three options, make sure those three options you're crazy about, like you still, you still love the the worst one.
1: You have to be okay with the worst one being the one that gets Printed in the Hall of Fame forever.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing with artwork, too, is it's like, it's there forever. I mean, some albums get reissued and they, they get new artwork, but like, it's there forever.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially in today's world where everything is, you know, on a computer, like in the past, I'm sure it was easy to kind of be like, hmm, that one cover was a bit of a glitch. When we reprint it and go really wide with this, let's just kind of forget that that ever happened. Yeah. But now, you know, you're stuck with it forever. Yeah, It lives forever in the Google search.
0: <laughs> Who has a final veto on an album artwork? Uh, um, is there generally like an easy consensus on choosing album artwork? Um, how often is it is it contentious?
1: Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say, I guess we kind of have the final say technically. Sure. But... I don't know that we've ever had to like really get into a deep argument with anyone. Um, yeah. I think it's more so in place so that if anyone were to be like, I want Donald Trump as my cover, we yeah. could be like, yeah, maybe, uh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That hasn't that's, happened fair. Yet.
1: Um, that's fair. Artists, try me. Try me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, there's really, it's always been kind of a very good balance of, the designer's opinion, uh, the artist's opinion, and our opinion as a label as well.
0: Yeah. And and do you, have okay, so are the album covers done in-house or by an agency, or you've talked about designers?
1: So we kind of work with designers similar to how we work with, you know, the musical artists on our label. We have a whole roster that we kind of oh, wow. tap, you know, depending on what the project is. It's never been all one person. Wow, um, hopefully it never will be like sure, that. Yeah, like it really, you know, it adds some variety and some different perspectives that are much needed.
0: And are these artists um, like what type of designers are they? Are they artists who are doing album artwork on the side, or do they focus primarily on on album artwork? Are are they mixed media artists, or do they work in in agencies like?
1: Um, let's see. Um, I mean, it's kind of all across the board. We've got some artists, um, like Mike Chena has done probably half of our covers, if not wow. more he's done a ton of work with us. Um, but he does lots of work on the side for, you know, a whole host of clients. So he's not just like relying. He's not like, calling me every day, like, what's the next album cover? Yeah, yeah. He's super busy on his own, but he's definitely extremely well-versed in doing covers for us as well as for other people. And then uh, there's other people like Shauna X, who is a digital artist, um, who I think the only album covers she's ever done are for us. So she's not someone who oh, interesting. does this every day, but you know, she makes sense for the stuff that we do as well. And then, uh, let's see, who are some other recent ones? Um, Robert Beatty just did a cover for us and he definitely, I'm sure everyone listening to your podcast has seen his covers on so many. Okay. Covers.
0: And what yeah. did he do recently for you?
1: Uh, he just did the Steve Hauschult record. That's okay.
0: Is- That's what I, where I saw his name. Yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal
1: that cover is gorgeous. That's a really fun process too.
0: It's so good. I mean, the photos too, that you guys have on the, or the renders on, on online, the back cover is amazing. I got to find this record. It, it is. Um, I mean, that's just such a beautiful, can you talk to me a little bit about that process about, I mean, how did you land on this style and on the, on this branding, so to speak of this album, because it's carried through onto cassette and CD as well. Um, What was the input from the artist like, uh, from the musician? Can you tell me a little bit about this process?
1: Sure. Um, I guess this one is kind of a pretty good case study for how things usually go. Um, It started with Steve turning in his record. You know, we take a moment to, like, listen to it, sit with it, absorb. Um, He actually was friends with Robert from... Even before he signed with us, so mm. that was already a relationship that existed. Um, he kind of came up with some inspiration, some like visual references. Sent me a folder. We talk about it a bit. Like I think it helps to talk to the artist to like get some some words down on paper of just like okay, we're all on the same page. We agree that this is, you know, the direction we want to go in.
0: So they'll send you, the artist will send you like a vision board, like other artwork they like or other graphics. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. So then, and I can like add to that, or sometimes I don't even sometimes Mm -hmm. this is perfect, (laughs) Um, which I think was the case with this one. And then we start the dialogue with the designer and kind of just go back and forth through different iterations until it, all feels right for the three of us. Um, at that point, we start thinking about packaging, like what the finish is going to be. Are there any special packaging aspects? Mm. This one had a like emboss, so all of those squares are kind of like pressed into the paper. Oh,
0: amazing!
1: Yeah, it's so beautiful and so cool to like touch, which is something I really appreciate, like a tactile quality. Sure. Um, and then I usually choose the vinyl color, which is always pretty fun. I try to make them as, you know, unexpected as possible within the confines of a plant that can only do so much.
0: <laughs> right. And this one, it looks like, what would you call this one? Because it looks like you matched the red with the the little bit of red that he has in the design, but it has a, a bit of like a texture to it.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a new-ish effect for vinyl called Clouded. Okay, uh, So as I understand it, they basically take, you know, clear vinyl plastic and drop some opaque uh, powder speckles oh, into it and then actually stamp the record down. It all spreads out and kind of makes this weird, bubbly, clear effect.
0: Now, if I, sorry, I'm getting so technical and I, and I apologize to our listeners who might not be interested in this, but I don't really care. Um, if, if, if I were to take this vinyl and I, am going to go to the shop and buy one after this conversation, but if, if I were to take this red vinyl and I were to put it next to the track, oh, and sorry, I want to tell our listeners so they can Google this. Uh, how do you say this album title dissolve dissolve, yeah. So for our listeners, if you go to ghostly.com slash product slash dissolvey D i s s o l v i. You can see what we're talking about because I'm I'm looking through it right now, and it really is. Uh, this is one of these tracks, uh, one of these album artworks that that came across my feed from following you guys or or um, a blog or whatever, and I was like, I have to hear this record because it, it the artwork is so good. Even if the record isn't good, I don't care. Like the artwork is so good, um, which is
1: like the ultimate goal of every right? album forever i think yeah right?
0: i totally agree i totally agree that yes i love it okay so <laughs> my my question for you was if i take this red cloudy record and put it next to the f- word "dissolvey" on the cover do those reds match
1: to your human eyes <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> in
1: actuality it's just a stock red it just happens to kind of like fit pretty nicely right um,
0: so that's something you the final would manage. are tough. Oh yes, they're but,
1: really tough. We've had—I mean, actually, uh, one of the plants we use are pretty good at doing exact matches, but we've definitely had train wrecks in the past oh, where man. we needed a specific pink, and we get like bubblegum pink, and yeah. they're like, "That's the closest we could get," and you're like, "Ah!" Oh,
0: uh, so you, as a designer, you must be, and as a production specialist, you. If an artist said to you my "My album cover is a solid pink, and I want the record to pull out and be the exact same color," would you say that can't happen?"
1: I would say, "Have you ever tried clear vinyl that's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. a much better way to go than <laughs> being even just like a fragment off is just so noticeable, totally. you know. <laughs> And it's, if you care that much about the exact shade of pink on your cover, I guarantee you're not going to be happy with the like rough estimate that a mass produced plant is going to make your vinyl color.
0: Right, using like ancient technology. Yeah. And, and the the problem too is like you can't it's really difficult to control the paper side of things too, right? So if something goes wrong there, then and and you got the vinyl right, I mean, it's just two different variables.
1: For sure. I mean, the paper is definitely, it's less common that things go wrong. Right, okay. Um, But things do always go wrong. Uh, It's just part of the process. Um, It's, you know, I always try to remind artists, at the end of the day, this is a mass-produced product that's made in a factory, (laughs) Um. It's that's never going to be an art print that's like fine tuned to your exact precise desire, but we'll try to get it as close to that as humanly possible.
0: Yeah, it it must be. So you're uh, are you getting a sample of the of the vinyl color before you print thousands of them?
1: No, we just uh, we just dive into the abyss, and, and you just
0: op- open a a crate, a box of these, and.
1: Oh, it's a whole ritual in the office. We get a box. I like carry them into the back. It's very like somber and quiet. I like slowly open it, look at it. I have to have like my time to like look it over, look for any typos. Oh my gosh! And then I can be like, all right, I'll show the rest of the office. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I I, I'm not in your position. The most I've ever (laughs) like, I've only had this. I've only done it. I've done vinyl twice, um, and and only once was it on my dime, and. And, but most of the time it's just 50 like CDRs. So like if anything goes wrong, it's a loss of a hundred dollars, but this is like, you're losing six months and (laughs) thousands of dollars.
1: Yeah. It can be really scary, especially, I mean, timelines are so crazy for making vinyl at, you know, the current state of things that, yeah, if there's a mistake, you kind of just have to roll with it. And that can be hard to swallow for some people, but luckily most of our artists are pretty chill and understand the process I, I can't think of any recent huge problems which is a good thing right um so but yeah you kind of just have to roll with it oh
0: my gosh I don't envy you there um <laughs> so but this turned out so great so that's congratulations it's such a gorgeous project I want to ask about the marketing or the the kind of peripheral uh design stuff so that and, and maybe staying on the topic of, of dissolvi um, looking at the singles they all match the artwork but they had their own artwork and the cassette has a completely unique uh, cover although taken from the the main thing um, how often is that something that you strive for where you can take the album art and and manipulate it into Um, t-shirts or social media graphics, et cetera?
1: So it's really dependent on the design ultimately. Um, This one was great because it's, you know, a bunch of black and white images Mm. just kind of floating in white, super easy to manipulate and use for banners or, you know, break out into little sections depending on the size of the media. Um, It's obviously a lot tougher with, you know, photographs and things that but more and more as we do like spotify singles where you know spotify pages are getting to be more important for artists and Mm -hmm. a lot of our artists are looking at their pages and being like hmm like i don't really like how you know if you use the album cover as all of the singles it tends to like clog up your page with the same image over and over so true We try to think about like, okay, well, let's make a little single cover that still visually can signal, you know, oh, it's a part of this bigger whole Mm. but I'm not looking at the same image, you know, five times throughout a campaign.
0: That's interesting. And so how far back do you plan for that? I mean, what, you know, what if somebody says, I want to, I want to use a photograph for my artwork, but then in your mind, you're thinking, well, how do I do four different versions of that?
1: Yeah, it's it just requires for me, kind of just staring at a blank wall for a minute and being like, aha, I figured out a way to make it work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one example of that, not a photo, but um, the cover of Mary Lattimore's most recent record. Oh yeah, uh, hundreds of days. That was a painting by this artist, Becky Suss. It's a beautiful painting. Um, but that wasn't one that I could. It's not like I can go in and change the colors of that cover to make single artwork you know that's also touching somebody's like
0: totally. beautiful
1: oil painting so of course <laughs> I to do that but I think for the singles on that one we wound up using the back artwork and slightly tweaking that or you know changing the colors slightly to make it still exist in that world but you know also be able to edit the text on it and
0: right make it appear different Right. Yeah. I remember that one. I remember that one coming up in my feed. That was like uh, last year, I think, or I can't remember when that was, but- uh, That was
1: earlier this year. Oh, Feels earlier
0: like this it. year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Same it's thing. It's almost last year. At this <laughs> yeah. <point. laughs> um, yeah. No, that's amazing. And, I, and I'm going through um, I'm going through this site and, and I'm not even getting into the products, which I, I do want to talk about a little bit, but um, do you think that there ha- has to be um, and, and I think this is a question I have later on, but do you think it's good for a label to have like a switching to a to- to the topic of the label? But do you think it's good for the label to have like a cohesive look or image that, that somebody might be able to say, hey, I think that's from Ghostly? Do you think that matters?
1: I, I don't, it's so hard to tell because like it just depends on really what your label is going for. I think probably most labels have almost a, you know, an anti that sentiment of like, you know, we're a bunch of different artists. Like it should all look different. Who cares about unity? (laughs) Um, And I actually don't think our covers really have that much unity with each other. I mean, some do, you can tell that it's the same artist.
0: You're right. No, you're right.
1: But it is pretty varied but maybe they have this like ephemeral ghostly-ness to them <laughs> right <laughs> what that is is hard to describe but um
0: well i think I don't I, know. yeah i think on your website i guess i'm feeling like because the products are sort of displayed similarly and they they have like this similar grayish background it feels more connected than if i were to just to see them all in like an itunes library or something
1: Right. I think the decision behind that was to break up the hierarchy, you know, like that no record, they're all kind of made in the same way. It's all a vinyl record. So like, let's display them all in the same fashion so that their differences kind of pop out at you.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I I think that's so cool. Um, it's okay. So let me, um, Sorry, I'm just I'm distracted by like looking at this website and then trying to look at my questions here to stay on track. Um,
1: We just redid our website, so we're very proud of it. Yeah,
0: well, I no, I really like it. Very
1: distracting.
0: I really no, it is really distracting. You know, um, when I was thinking about like other labels, that kind of I don't know if you like follow any other labels, but like there is a label Geographic North. Do you know them? Yeah, yeah. And they have like I mean, their stuff is like like they kind of have a uniformity to their designs. Like it's pretty much just like the album name and the artist's name. And it's kind of follows this like color coding thing. I love that look. I mean, I don't know if that's right for my label or for other labels, but I like it for that. It's kind of cool.
1: Well, uh, actually for spectral sound, which is like our more dance techno oriented uh, sister label, mm-hmm. I'll call it. Um, we've started doing a 12 inch series that, kind of follows that same plan where we were running into the problem of you know we want to get 12 inches out but they're really taxing cost wise and it's hard to like justify you know putting an artist in the red just to release a 12 inch with them for the sake of trying something out so we were sam and i sam the owner of ghostly Mm -hmm. um we were trying to brainstorm, like, what are ways we can cut down on the amount of back and forth, the amount of time, the amount of money. And we thought of like, why don't we just standardize a design? Oh, let's, cool. let's kind of be anti-us and like not over <laughs> the artwork, have it just be text, straight up, like change the color every time, easy white label style. Yeah,
0: that's really cool
1: yeah so we have our first one from Fort Rameau that's coming out October nineteenth and we've got about four more in that series that should be coming up over the next six months or so.
0: That's a really great idea, so it that just saves on design costs and on some production stress,
1: yeah, totally, and it does unify the whole you know twelve inch series is like, okay, I get it. it's part of the spectral you know the new generation, if you will,
0: yeah, yeah, I know it's true um, I want to like, I've had this argument with artists before and I, I want to, I want to ask your opinion, but, um, if the music is great, does it, does it even matter what goes on the cover? Like, I, I, I mean, I, my answer to that is of course, but, um, does good album artwork matter and, or, or, and why, why do you, if you do think it matters, why, why? Uh,
1: I mean, absolutely. It matters. Uh, I mean, I think the ultimate goal, which maybe if you're an artist making music, you're not really seeing it this way. But from my perspective, the ultimate goal is to have like the most normal normcore normy person pick up the record and be like, Whoa, like that's really cool. That like I, that this is like challenging, and mm. I don't even know what's on it but like i want to know more right. like the visuals is o- that's always going to be your first entry into something unless you know it's a friend playing you something yeah. you might not cover but when you're like an individual like shopping for music whether you're doing that online in a store you're still looking at it first you know mm. so that first impression has to like either invite you in or push you away in an interesting way True. it's so I've discovered tons of artists just by, you know, even now I still do when I see a cover that's interesting, but especially growing up and not having the framework to, you know, find the artists that I might like, I would just go to the record store and be like, oh, wow. What is the Stereolab cover? This is, this is cool. This is yeah. weird. I want to own this. I want to hear what kind of music goes with this.
0: But what, what, what about those rare times where, and I'm, I'm like I, you and I are on the exact same page. So I'm really just playing the devil's advocate here, but um, or the artist advocate because this is stuff they've actually said. But what, um, what about those rare times? And I mean, there's popular um, albums covers that are just out now that are really simple and are are nothing like that. Even maybe a designer even did. It's just a maybe a photograph of someone eating noodles, or it's like. Yeees us or something where it's just the CD. Like there's these covers that end up being really cool, but they're kind of completely opposite of what what we would maybe have aimed for originally. Like how do we how do we uh justify that? Like I, I just that's to me is so confusing.
1: Well, I guess the real question is like I mean, there's there's intentionally um you know, just having a CD as your album cover, but there's also like a vibe to that kind of world of album covers that I guess can sometimes register as lazy. Okay. Is that what you're maybe getting at? That it's like, like so low effort. It's like, you know, I don't even care. I'm just, you know, putting a Sharpie on this and releasing it
0: but that but that ends up being appealing to some people that's kind of my point is that it is lazy and that there's some of these artwork that it's just a, a a like a low like a simple photo of someone but it ends up being sort of iconic in in society
1: yeah i guess that stuff is hard to predict but you know even i guess even that kind of artwork is saying something about the contents of what you're going to hear
0: yeah no that's true it, it, what i I, this is a big question but what's your what's your favorite album uh cover and 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 maybe i and i don't maybe i should ask of all time tell me of all time you can give me three or four but like um and i won't ask you what your favorite is on ghostly because i don't know if that's appropriate but what's your favorite album cover
1: well my favorite one on ghostly is easy all of them they're all my babies (laughs) good (laughs) but uh, oh man really tough question uh I guess I, I kind of thought about this in advance a little bit because it is a hard, it's like one of those questions that someone asks you at a party and you're like, oh man, I have so many answers to that and yet I have no answer. Yeah, that's right. So I was like, I better actually have some answers to this question. <laughs> um, I would say like one of one of the covers that really bridged, I, I went to art school. I have like an art background, but okay. I always knew art was not going to be my thing like music was and it kind of is both now but that's besides the point i was Hmm. like a music nerd who went to art school
0: that's great
1: Uh, so one of the first covers that like really kind of like slapped me in the face was like the return of the Daruti column album and like it's nod to situationists and like the idea that an album cover could be high art And High Art could be an album cover. It's all interchanged. Like, there's a dialogue between the two. Um, Right, right. People were unfamiliar. That was the cover that was uh, sandpaper on either side so that it kind of eroded away. Oh, my goodness. Well, the idea was that it eroded away the other album covers before and after it on the shelf. <laughs> However, ironically, with that one, it wound up just damaging the record inside. <laughs> had to, like, package the whole thing in, like, a sandwich bag. It was, like, a whole crazy... I can very much relate to that scrappy, like, oh, my God, this yeah. is all going wrong, but we got to release it. We're going to yeah, make it right. It'll be fine. That's so great. Um, so that's definitely one for sure. Um, I think, like, the My Bloody Valentine Loveless cover is kind of on another end of the spectrum, just a very visually, you know, it just says exactly what is on that That's true. That's a good
0: point. Yeah.
1: It's like a perfect articulation of that music. And, you know, that was my first entry to them was getting that cover and like, just being like, I have to hear this. Like, what is this? And And being like, wow, that is an exact, you know, audio of what I would imagine this cover to be
0: and I think I mean you you hit the nail on the head and that's and and I feel like that's what I always aim for and that's what I aim for as a music consumer is like just that perfect synergy for lack of a better word between the artwork and what's inside or what happens when you put it on the record player just that they sound and look alike
1: right and I mean I was just at a a festival upstate where somebody played um the last track on Loveless soon and the lighting engineer changed all the lights to be like that pink and purple oh, color and it was such a perfect a genius. you know everyone got it everyone yeah. was like oh yeah that's it
0: it's also one of those covers i think where uh annoyingly an artist would be like i want something like this <laughs>
1: totally yeah like everything that was derived off of it I probably hate (laughs) right
0: yeah it's true
1: that cover as its own statement was so beautiful
0: yeah yeah no that's interesting
1: so yeah those are two like different approaches where like the cover by itself can just be an art object and have a place in art history and it can also just be really striking and aesthetically pleasing and make you want to know more mm-hmm. you know are very like perfect execution to me just in different ways
0: yeah yeah no i know i, I totally know what you mean and, and and for me and i'm curious really about other people cuz i i've talked to some artists who who just admit that they don't they don't care about art they really don't care they are huge music fans they consume tons of music buy lots of records go to tons of shows and they just say that it just doesn't matter to them. And I don't know if it's, it, it does Who matter. Are Who are, I know I'm thinking of this one guy right now and I Do just want to punch him in the face. Uh, no, yeah, no, it's, it, and it's not, it's not a lot, but um, it is this weird. Um, it's just, it's weird to me because it matters so much. And, and I want to ask you this, tell me, has an artwork been so bad that it's affected you're listening to a, to a, what could have been a great album?
1: Um, I mean, definitely for me personally, I won't name any names, but <laughs> there's, there's a few records that I've listened to that. I just like stare at that cover art with a hate. And I'm just like, why, why would you pick that to be your cover? Like you could have oh. been
0: so much more. <laughs>
1: yeah. It could have been so much better. It could have gotten your ideas across so much clearer and who knows whether that's due to like timeline or, just bad tastes. It's hard to tell, but yeah. Um, but yeah, all the time I see things like that, and I'm like, no. Or even more like of a problem, I think can be fonts and like mm. just general layout design. Totally. Like even if you know a good cover image when you see one, I think knowing type and getting that part right can be really really tricky. 'Cause it's just not it's not a world that we're as versed in. Like we're a very visual culture, so I think it's a lot easier to identify just a good photo or a good painting. Um, but I think most people have a lot more trouble with type and design and what's interesting in that world.
0: That's a great that's in. a great point. And and there's times where the texture or the design or the, the graphic that they've chosen is is good. Um, but then they throw on a font that just seems to 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 people who know it sends a message that this was lazy or that somebody totally. somebody did this and didn't realize that this is takes me out of the moment, like breaks the fourth wall. you know what I mean?
1: And then you get a step further into like color design and color theory mm. and some of the color choices, oof, I mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I like studied. I, it's ironic because I'm such a monochromatic person, but I studied a lot of color theory. So I feel super strongly when someone's like, just using the totally wrong green on a cover. I'm like, Oh, man, if you could have just gotten a little less saturated, that would be so much better. (laughs) But I understand most people aren't really thinking about things that way and are just like, it's green. I love green.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fine. But I mean, I just think it's there are there are so many people out there who appreciate it that um it just it doesn't hurt to get it right. It doesn't hurt to um to put more effort into, but I think an artist is at this point where it's like, I've written these songs for two years and I've recorded this for a year, and it's mastered, and like my job is done, and I don't really care what it looks like. I just want people to hear the music
1: right, which is fair. And I think there's also at least I noticed a, like, kind of a weird tension between art and music that, you know, like the art world feels very separate from the music world to me. And I don't really know where that division is. I think mm-hmm. it's somewhere along the lines of like high art and low art and those kinds of ideas Um, that, like music right. is for consumer culture. It's quicker, it's faster. Um, It requires less, uh, Less education, maybe. I don't know. Um, this is definitely more focused towards, like, you know, I guess, indie music.
0: Right, right.
1: Big definition you have of that. Less, like, the classically trained kind of people. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I know that's And true. I
1: think the art world takes itself extremely seriously and is, like, you know, you have to have this sort of education in many cases. Right. Like, this sort of background to be successful in this world. And I feel like they, they butt heads in a way that I don't totally understand because really like those are the two senses, like seeing and hearing that are really hard to disconnect from. It's like the most immediate, you know, like smell, touch. Those are more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, sides, mm -hmm. visual and hearing is so closely knit and so important to us that they play so nicely together. They should,
0: at least. That's such a great point. I think that what that makes me think of is that moment of sitting on the couch with a vinyl in hand that and, you you know, you're listening to the music and the the, the, the artwork, the 12 inch artwork is just like this pop out of the speakers extension of the music. And if you're lucky, it's embossed and you can rub it. <laughs> but yeah, it's just such a such a beautiful moment. And it pains me when I'm listening to a record. I think of I will criticize someone here even though I, I didn't want to do that. But the there was a great record, the John Hopkins record from this year, Singularity, which has a a good cover. Like it's not as I don't think it's as good as it could be. To me, I think electronic music is um is where like the best art is. And I don't know why. Maybe you know why, but like the
1: best. Maybe, but also some of the cheesiest as well that's it, true it has full spectrum
0: <laughs> that's true, yeah, no, that's true well, hip hop maybe hip hop and electronic they're both you they they have some like really bad and cheesy stuff, but um that award goes to country music like the the most cheesiest and the most use of that bleeding cowboys font, whatever but the um i just think I just think that this album that i'm I'm criticizing it just had such a so much potential and it's just like kind of a I think like a sunset or whatever but um I just felt like it could have been something a little bit closer to that Steve how shot kind of artwork
1: yeah that one I mean it's it's so hard to set the bar with that record cover (laughs) So good <laughs> but yeah every cover should just look like that it
0: should that would just make things a lot easier um, based on ghostlycom which is a new website looks great art and aesthetic seems important to you guys uh, more so than the average label what is the labels like uh, official uh, vision um, for design and, and uh, aesthetic
1: we just like good design that um, you know brings people in and is going to stand the test of time. You know, we don't like to go with anything that feels too of the moment because those moments inevitably tend to fade pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So we look for things that just feel right to us, um, are by people we like and admire and that we feel like in 10 years, 20 years, a hundred years we can still look at and be proud of. Well, not us, because I don't think I'll be here in a hundred (laughs) years.
0: You never know. I don't know.
1: But uh, we just want to be like timelessly good.
0: Do you, uh, this is something i have you, I don't know how long you've, you've been with Ghostly and and I I do have a few more questions about you and and your role here, but um, do do you look back five years later and, and say, I still love that artwork?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mostly look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that was five years ago because that <laughs> feels like yesterday, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I look back at a lot of those things and I'm really proud of the covers we've done over the years.
0: How did you come to Ghostly?
1: Um. So, funny story. Almost to the day, eight years ago, wow. I... I used to have a radio show and had Matthew Deere on my show. Okay. And someone somehow missed the part of the memo that the studio was extremely small. And the entire ghostly crew came <laughs> along with Matthew Deere and his band, his like sound engineer, <laughs> the, whole, the whole team. It was like a never-ending like clown car of people trying to fit <laughs> inside the tiny station. Um. And I was 20 years old at the time and like super, like, whoa, this is crazy. (laughs) Um, And then I guess a few months, it feels like years later, but it was really only a few months later, I wound up applying for an internship, um, actually working at the store, not even at the label itself, our online store, not physical space. Um, And I wound up getting the internship, spoiler alert. And they just kind of naturally, they kind of picked me out of that, and were like, "You're not really a retail person. You're, you're a label person, aren't you?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, I am." So, um, from there, I just started assisting with the label and went full time pretty quickly after that. Um, was still finishing up school at the time, and actually was the general manager of the station. And also putting together a thesis show. It was like a very oh, wow. crazy year of everything all at once, all the time. Um, but I've been with Ghostly ever since. So
0: that's amazing.
1: Coming up on my eight year anniversary soon.
0: And so, how what was the process like moving into this role of uh, of the the design and production?
1: It was pretty natural, actually. Um, Jeff Owens, who is the label manager, who handles like all of the big label processes. Mm -hmm. Um, He was basically doing my role as well as his current role. And I think was pretty happy to hand off the art stuff to a person who had a background in that and, you know, knew the basics of printing and how all of that worked. Um, So it was pretty seamless. Like I just kind of kept getting hungry for more, responsibility in that role and luckily everyone at ghostly was happy to keep feeding that hunger
0: that that's awesome what you um what's the 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 um intention or 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 the kind of design thought process behind um some of the merch and uh, that you guys have and the and the extra products that you have i mean a lot of labels have merch they have tote bags and t-shirts but you guys have um you have gorgeous sweaters and and uh, you have keychains and you've had coffee beans, but not in a kitschy way. It's not like it's uh, Niagara Falls or something like you have. It, it all just kind of works well. What's the thought process behind that?
1: So I think a lot of our reasoning for making those things grows out of this idea that we have that, you know, what really is an album cover? Like, is an album cover a 3000 by 3000 pixel square on your screen is it you know the record that you hold in your hand is it the cd that's in your car mm. um mm. all of those things yes are album covers but what about a sculpture on your shelf uh what about you know a photograph that was given to you by the like all mm. of these things can interesting effectively be symbolic of an album so even though a you know bag of coffee beans doesn't have a musical component there's still this feeling of like but it's also a ghostly release Mm. it's still the same ideology behind it
0: yeah that's really interesting i never thought of that
1: yeah like uh for example um Matthew Deere's Black City, we did a totem that came with it that came with the download of the album, but it was this kind of monolithic, black city, brutalist-looking thing that was, you know, handheld size, can fit on your shelf, with the idea that, like, in the future, you're going to point to that and objects like it and be like, oh, this is my record collection. You know, it might... It might not be that square paper with vinyl inside.
0: Well, there's so much room for that in in our digital world, I think. Not everybody buys vinyl, but but some people do want a physical companion to their Spotify album.
1: Yeah, I think people, I mean, we're ultimately still physical beings, and it's amazing that the internet has opened up so much um, accessibility to music, but I think we still want something to hold or something personal, mm-hmm. something that makes us feel part of it all, that we're not just getting this all for free from, you know, the ever giving bowels of the internet.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> what what I think about, I mean, that's interesting, the connection to the album, but what I think about when I'm on your, your store um, and I, honestly, I've just been going through this and thinking about how much it's going to cost me to ship to Canada, but it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, what I think about is I'm like I am the person who appreciates all of this and so if I appreciate one of the records, I just so happen I'm also gonna appreciate this guitar pedal that <laughs> you guys are selling okay. you know what I mean like or this uh, this um, this book that you have here that looks incredible but like it's to me it's like the whatever is your taste, Or or the people who've put this together's taste. It just so happens to be my taste as well. So if it's the album or a tote or whatever, that's how I feel.
1: Yeah, we always hope there's like cross pollination that way. And I mean, there's also like our visual brand of like the logo, which just looks good on things. You know, it's circular. It's like identifiable from afar. Totally. But I think we love this idea that. I mean, I think most of us who are super music nerd people probably grew up with some sense of like feeling a little bit of an outsider, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know I grew up not feeling like anyone remotely shared my music taste.
0: Right. But yes.
1: sometimes wearing like the band shirt to, you know, the cafe in town and someone points to you and is like, oh, hey, you like that too? It's like a signifier. Oh, you know? for sure. Th- yeah you are and what you're into. So we always think about that too, that like, what would be the kind of shirt that we would want to signify ghostly? That's also just cool for someone who isn't ever going to care about what ghostly is that, but they'll just be like, Oh, that's a cool shirt. Looks good.
0: Well, I think if you walked into a cafe, especially not in, in a, you know, a big metropolis, but if you walked into the average American city wearing a ghostly t-shirt and another person recognized that logo, chances are you guys Would likely be best friends, (laughs) right?
1: Totally. totally. You would be instant friends because you have this connection. And then from there, you could be like, well, what else do you like? You know, it's such a good um, conversation starter. Although I will say most cafes that I'm ever in with like a ghostly sticker on something, all I get is... Is that Pac Man?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, right.
1: That's the point.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Well, this is uh, such a great sales pitch for people to go on and buy sweaters and hats. <laughs> yeah. Because now if it's you're kind of emotional. Lonely it's like, oh. suburban <laughs> town the way to
1: friends.
0: <laughs> if you want to meet people, if you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man, it's so great. You had said something about artwork from a distance. I One of the things I had read early on, and it doesn't really bother me, it doesn't concern me too much but do you ever think about the fact that the majority of of the album artwork that you supervise is seen on like 200 pixel by 200 pixel on iPhones or in scrolling fast on Spotify does that do you think about that at all
1: I try not to get too caught up in that idea because I know the people who really care are going to still want to like see that artwork big and like investigate and read the interviews and read the reviews. Like I think they're still going to find it and the people who are never going to see it any bigger, you know, kind of who cares. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every now and then I do see a record cover at like a 200 by 200 pixel size. And I'm like, that's a good looking two hundred by two hundred yeah, pixel it's true. record cover.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Well, I was th- yeah, and I was thinking. I mean, um, it, it is it is cool if like from such a small size something can still be iconic. And I'm sure like that the Matthew Dear record, um, the new one, that I'm sure that would have that same appeal. I think re- recently, and we just did an interview with Sub Pop, but um, the low. Uh, the new low record,
1: oh, yeah, that one's super recognizable,
0: totally. And I have no idea what I'm looking at, <laughs> like, right? Um, it might just be the ghostly uh logo reconfigured, but um, it's uh, for some reason, it's like a calling card for that record,
1: yeah, totally.
0: And I still Which don't know if I like it or you'll not.
1: You'll always remember, you know, like with the bunny record, the new Matthew Dear one, like that red. And that mm-hmm. font is just going to be seared into your memory. There's like no other visual information besides, you know, that it's super striking.
0: Yeah, I I think and it's like this isn't necessary. We're not talking about like incredible paintings or some sort of like huge artistic statement for me. And I don't even know if this is my favorite album artwork. Um, I don't think it is. But the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, these two buildings in Chicago um, like it's just this it's iconic for me and it it brings back a certain nostalgia and it's weird because sometimes I'll see like the beige of that album cover or I'll see those um, buildings in a photograph or on a TV show and it just has this like immediate electric current to that record you know and uh, that's just such a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah it's like the whole like modernism idea of looking at something and just immediately like feeling it before you're even really seeing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. I think
1: that's really powerful when you, you know, only have just a square to work with.
0: And it's the exact same thing uh, that music is. And this is right to your point. It's like, it, it, there's some songs that like, it's just a down chord or like a certain guitar tone and people know what song that is. The same right. thing with art.
1: Right. I mean, my favorite records are the ones that you have on for 15 seconds and you're already like, this is awesome. Yeah. I know this record is going to be with me forever. Yeah,
0: that's such a great feeling. And and I think this is what is this whole conversation is what may, has made me as I get older, be so picky about the music I listen to, because it's like, I want a record that makes me feel 100% connected to it in 15 seconds. And great. I want the artwork. You know,
1: they're out there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yes, Exactly and you want the artwork to to give you the same feelings it's such a high demand
1: <laughs> right you want to be happy putting that cover up on your wall or
0: oh totally whatever,
1: whatever people do with records whatever they
0: do with their- <laughs> um i i know if you were to ask a lot of graphic designers or or young people in art school what is something you want to accomplish? They would say, "I want to make an album artwork, or I want to make a, a, a cover that is sold in stores." You have have done that and have been a part of that. What like what goals do you have now as an artist um, that you'd like to do with Ghostly or or, or with something else?
1: Oh geez, um, honestly, I feel like I can't. I'm still not past that stage where it's still mm-hmm. such a total shock and like oh, cool. honor for someone to come to me and be like, I made this music. Will you provide the accompaniment for me? Like that's still, I can't even believe that that's happened in my lifetime. Amazing. Um, But on a personal level, I mean, I think I'd love to get into like merch myself and like what that means and mm. like prints and what that looks like today. Interesting. I'm always questioning these ideas of like, You know, I studied printmaking, so I was really involved in, like, okay, what's the difference between an offset print and how that feels and how that strikes the audience versus a screen print that's got mistakes in it and, you know, looks hand-done, even though it's not necessarily hand-done.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Um, So, I guess just playing around more with those ideas Mm. and how that changes my work and, I mean, that also feeds into what I do with ghostly as well. Like, how the different mediums affect how something is perceived by people.
0: Totally, and and as I sit on your store, it it it's true. I mean, it's like a tape. the the vertical layout of a tape is says something, and the and a t shirt says something else. Um, The even meeting's
1: though, always gonna change. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's really fascinating. I I could. You know, we didn't really even talk about the label and I apologize to the owners of the label, but <laughs> this has just been, I mean, people know ghostly and, and, um, I, I'll, I'll praise them until I die, uh, or, and, or until they say something terrible and, um, what, but you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, <laughs> um,
1: don't worry <laughs> all, good all the
0: time. <laughs> no, but it's just, uh, I really loved this conversation to talk about, um, something so specific in the music industry and something that I'm quite personally passionate about and um and it, I'm and I'm glad to find somebody else who's passionate about it.
1: Yeah, I'm honestly just really glad it all still matters in this weird digital era of 2018 and onward that people still care about covers and looking at things and appreciating them deeply. Mm. It's very like you know, that's the kind of thing that keeps me going really to know that people care as deeply as I do.
0: And it's, there are definitely people who, uh, I mean, I've seen people comment on self-release records and say great artwork and the artwork is definitely not great. And that bothers me, but I've seen, you know, times where most of the time people won't say anything about the artwork, but then sometimes somebody will just comment on Instagram, like great album artwork, or I love this artwork. And that's just like, you just know that that is a that's your spirit brother right there you know <laughs> yeah,
1: amazing like that's that's the bridge right there with that weird tension between art world music world it's the instagram commenter who's like already a fan of this music or this label yeah. or whatever just being like i really appreciate this visual moment like that's the bridge
0: yeah oh totally totally. What a great point. Well, thanks so much, Molly, for doing this. Um, congratulations on the role. And uh, I'm I'm such a fan of the label and, and of your work. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat.
1: Thank you so much. It was so much fun.
0: And thank you at home for listening. The charming, beautiful listener that you are. Please support the podcast by checking out our sponsor at ebook.otherrecordlabels.com Remember, originally we talked about doing a QA and a episode that could be really cool. So if you have any questions for me or anybody that we've interviewed thus far send the questions to podcast at otherrecordlabels.com That would be awesome. Check out Ghostly International at ghostly.com and make sure you pick up a record by them uh, in the next coming weeks. Do it for Christmas. That'd be great. We'll see you in a little while with some new podcasts coming. Thank you.